Thank you for tuning in to TalkLine with Zev Brenner, the TalkLine Network in conjunction with Hadassah, the Women's Zionist Organization of America, is pleased to bring you a new radio series. Hadassah Presents Women of Vision, a series of interviews conducted by Hadassah's CEO, Janice Wyman, which highlights women whose visionary leadership and innovative approaches to the challenges in their respective fields have resulted in noteworthy successes for their organizations. And now, your host, Janice Wyman. Jennifer Rabb has been woven into the fabric of New York City life. I can hardly remember a time without her. From her work, as chairman of the New York City Landmarks Preservation Commission, where she was known for her effective and innovative leadership. To her past two decades as president of Hunter College, Jennifer has dedicated herself to the pursuit of excellence and and accessible education. The Princeton Review has called Hunter College, quote, the crown jewel of the city university system, close quote. If it is, it is largely, if not entirely, because Jennifer Rabb has made it so. Over the last 20 years and through her visionary leadership, she has transformed the college from an open admissions institution into a solidly ranked college recognized as one of the best institutions of higher learning. Jennifer's accomplishments and talent have been widely recognized. She was named by Crane's New York Business as one of New York's 100 most influential women in business in in 2007 and one of the 50 most powerful women in New York in 2009 and 2011. In 2018, she was honored as the champion of educational opportunity by the Harlem Educational Activities Fund named by city and state to its Women's Power 100 and Manhattan Power 50 lists and inducted into the Manhattan Jewish Hall of Fame. Jennifer Rabb is a New York treasure, a leader whose counsel and achievements have benefited all New Yorkers and individuals beyond. She is a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, was elected to the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, and is on the board of the United Way. I am thrilled as someone who has known and watched Jennifer over many years that she is here to speak with us. Jennifer, my first question I have for you is, you have been president of Hunter for almost two decades. What accomplishments are you most proud of and what would you like to accomplish going forward? Well, first, Janice, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for the just moving and extraordinary introduction and just for all you've done for this city um, and for this time to together. You know, you've you put your finger on it when you talked in the beginning about the when I started 20 years, almost 20 years ago, uh, there was a decision to take this incredible institution of the City University of New York and restore some of the grandeur that it's, you know, it historically had had in the city and the impact. And I was able from that time to begin to build on the, the reclaiming of, you know, of, of, of access city, where we could, we accelerated the ability to have high standards, but to still be open for students of the, the city and the state. And essence aided really 
a priceless education at a price people can afford. And that was really this vision that private education had really priced itself out of the reach of so much of New York. Private education is $50,000 a year for four years times two kids. Think of that, that pressure just on middle-class families. Not, and then think about our immigrant population, first-generation college goers. So the vision was to take a public college and create a place where the faculty was incredibly strong. And being in New York, we were able to begin to recruit the best, to think of making our student body ready to take advantage of what Hunter had to offer. One example that you know well is our Macaulay program. We have the most competitive and the largest Macaulay program in the CUNY system where students are coming in and just excelling. Um, we then began to really invest in what makes Hunter special. We call ourselves Hunter College, but we're really a university. We're the largest school in the largest public university system in the country. And not only are we large undergraduate liberal arts population, we have four extraordinary um, freestanding professional schools. T education, we train 10% of the New York City public school teachers. Our socials and um, our schools of health professions all as well, training speech pathologists and all types of clinicians. So we are so broad-based as a part of the just backbone of this but also in two other ways that have really been important to the success. Um, one is really reinvigorating our physical structure to say to our students that a public university can be a beautiful place and a place with the most up-to-date facilities. We built our social work school in East Harlem and invested in a neighborhood where we could live our mission. We created an arts college down in Tribeca. We are, we're training some of the top studio artists in the country. And we restored that extraordinary Jewel Roosevelt House, um, where we now have a public policy institute and a human rights um, program that engages both our students and our community. So our campus is throughout the city. It is strong, it is vibrant. And one of the keys is something you know so well, of course, at Hadassah is the real magic of fundraising. And as a public school and as a women's school, it was not a strong foundation when I arrived. And I've really spent much time reaching out to alums to engage them with our students, to see their you know, really their responsibility. What did Hunter give them as a school that made so much opportunity possible? And how could they give back? And the over $450 million that we've raised has gone back into scholarships, into faculty support, into renovating buildings, and into really making the American dream possible to, at Hunter College, which is which is really our vision. So putting those together, we've been able to move up, you know, just rapidly in the U.S. News and World Report rankings and offer, as I said, this priceless education at a price our students can afford. They can leave without crushing debt, move on to graduate school, and come back and live the Hunter motto, which is mihi kora futuri, the care of the future is mine. And we ask all of our students when they leave to find some way in which they repay their obligation to society that supported this extraordinary public college. 
That's really a beautiful testimony. Thank you so much. So I want to ask you, Jennifer, um, before moving into higher education, you worked as a corporate litigator, a campaign advisor, and chairman of the New York City Landmarks Preservation Commission. How have those experienced informed the, your work at Hunter College? What among those many experiences um, really influenced all of the things that you're describing now as the accomplishments that you've had? Well, it's a great question. Uh, in terms of training, um, becoming a lawyer was always a passion. And I am very convinced that as a lawyer, and particularly as a litigator, um, I learned to be a great advocate. My client right now are the students of Hunter College. So I never miss an opportunity wherever I am to advocate for our students and our institution. It's in my blood. So whether it's fundraising, whether it's working with government officials, whether it's convincing a great faculty member to leave one institution to come teach our students, this commitment I have to advocating for this extraordinary school really was born from my legal experience. Um, I think lawyers are actually very well trained for leadership and management positions. Uh, when I started at Hunter, there were not that many attorneys who were running colleges, and there are many, many more now. And I think the ability and the requirements that, that you have as a lawyer to process uh, much information, to be able to negotiate, to be able to parse information and, and do strategic decision-making is extremely, extremely um, useful. So those legal skills were very much, uh, you know, part, I believe, of being able to change careers to learn what I needed to learn uh, to be able to move forward in, an, in a, a school of higher education. Um, I'd say one thing that uh, was also a special piece, I did have this wonderful uh, time as a head of the Landmarks Preservation Commission in New York, and that was something that led me to commit to reopening our Roosevelt House. And as you're uh, listeners may know, um, Franklin Eleanor Roosevelt lived on 65th Street. They received as a wedding present from Franklin's mother um, this beautiful townhouse. Uh, and the surprise was that uh, Franklin's mother would also move in with the newlyweds, which, of course, led to uh, many a stories. Uh, that, and, and Franklin's mom died. They arranged for Hunter to buy the house uh, at a minimal price then, and Hunter used the home, but in the 90s it was closed. There were no resources to maintain it. So we did an extraordinary renovation and have brought back that Roosevelt legacy, that commitment to social justice and to uh, you know effective government to our students and to the population of New York City. And I think that the uh, ability to come full circle and restore a landmark to make it come alive with its history and its just its legacy for New York was a special little blessing of that experience for me. That's very interesting. Thank you. So I'm going to change um, the questions a little bit to something uh, broader um, and ask you this. In recent years, under the guise to banish all forms of speech, Many students deem racially, ethnically, or sexually oppressive with speech that they deem to be um, racially, ethnically, or sexually oppressive. Campuses across the country have been roiled 
by virulent anti-Semitism, anti-Zionism, and calls for administrations to endorse the anti-Israel boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, which, as you know, is uh, BDS. Um, I wanted you to tell us a little bit. Your own campus and other city campuses have not been spared, and you yourself have been outspoken in your condemnation of these attacks. Where is the campus movement today, and how are you and your fellow college and university leaders dealing with this? A really important question, and I think my answer is you must remain vigilant uh, to maintain you know, to, to make sure there's uh, not discrimination, not anti-Semitism, and even though we're working remotely, to be careful and to be vigilant about what kind of, you know, programs or initiatives are underway. Um, you know, it, it is a very much part of Hunter's history um, to support uh all races and religions and to make all races and religions feel welcome. Um, in somewhat un- old fashioned language, when Thomas Hunter created the ninth school uh, in the United States for women, he wrote Janice, as I said, somewhat old fashionedly, quote, the Negro will sit next to the Jew, will sit next to the Gentile. That's just extraordinary for the 1870s. So Jewish uh, people, Jewish women were always welcomed at Hunter College and uh, always been a very much a part of our population when the Ivy Leagues did not had Jewish quotas. We were often known as the Jewish Radcliffe. And when I started at Hunter, um, there were undercurrents of people concerned about potential possible anti-Semitism. And it was something always very important to me to make sure that we were really careful that we were protecting all of our population, but also not allowing uh, anti-Semitism to, you know, to be present at all. And we began to work very hard about bringing our student groups together because that's where we think it all starts. If there's understanding and there's conversation and we're approaching and we're, we're calling out prejudice and doing it by education, we have a better sense of success. And we, for many years, had a knot of programming. We created an interface center where we brought our Muslim students next to our Hillel with our Hindi students, with the Christian fellowship, and our, we have a campus nun that sits next to the Hillel office. And again, constant education. And we felt much more comfortable about uh, all groups attacking and not making anti-Semitism really unacceptable on the campus. The BDS and, and movement, which is part of the uh, Students for Justice in Palestine movement as well, came onto our campuses, I think, for many of us, really from the outside, not and did not feel like it was growing from a student body, but somewhat imposed by national forces. And that really made us double down on education for our population about, yes, free speech must be supported, but you must be looking at your speech and, and you know, and whether there's unacceptable you know, conversation. And you mentioned, you know, the, the city university, because of where we're located, we tend at Hunter to often have protests. And there was a protest about five years ago um, in which there were people yelling Zionists out of CUNY. And 
our reaction at that point was to take immediate action. And we brought the students in, in all the student leadership, and said to them, if you heard any other group being called out, right, if any other group is not, it has to be out of CUNY, whether it's a nationality or a race or a gender, X out of CUNY, would you find it unacceptable? And the students said, absolutely. And we said, well, you, that very much is how, you know, uh, people who are so here, Jewish people here, and they hear Zionists out of CUNY. And we immediately got the students and the faculty groups to condemn that. So the taking of immediate action and not letting it linger and calling it out was really important. And then I'd say, again, this continuing, going back to what we've been doing for decades now, is the continuing education of, of the population and, and dealing with people who, you know, would veer towards anti-Semitism and, off, and also anti-Israeli, uh, you know, attacks, which often are just a couched way of anti, talking about anti-Semitism on campus through education. So we launched a Jewish Studies Center we recruited one of the top faculty in the in the country, and we are have a full curriculum of Jewish studies, both for credit and extracurricular activities, so that non-Jewish students can learn about uh, Jewish culture, Jewish history, and really connect. And we've also been working with many of the Jewish groups to try to support both our Jewish students, but also our non-Jewish students to, to travel to Israel on study trips and to learn, you know, really the truth of, you know, about Jewish culture, about Israeli culture and history, so that there's really through education, we're really attacking potential prejudice. And that's really our commitment. Call it out, don't hide from it, talk about it and try to educate, um, So, which is the role of a university. You know, uh, Jennifer, um, Hadassah is deeply committed to combating anti-Semitism. And really, on behalf of Hadassah and myself and so many others, um, we really want to express our gratitude to you, not only for what you've done, but really for being a role model in this regard. And it is a very, very important thing that you have done. It's historic. I I um, I just want to touch on something that you referred to as well. You talked about women and about the fact that, um, you know, Hunter was originally a woman's institution or certainly one that was the first college to, one of the first colleges to admit women. You serve on the advisory committee for women in New York City. And um, you have um, really ensured that women have access to education and to their chosen professions. And have women achieved equal opportunity in both areas? Does your being a woman create challenges that your male counterparts do not face? Um, I, I think we can, you and I can have a, lots of long conversations there. Um, I think we've come, and I think you'd agree, so far. You know, and I think now about, even when I went to law school, uh, only a third of my class were women. Um, I was in some of the top Wall Street law firms and there were very few women and now they're, you know, they're women partners in both of them and there's been great success. But I don't think we have, you know, achieved an end to a glass ceiling or, or to discrimination. 
Um, I think we've made great progress, but I think there's still a lot of subtle barriers, um, whether it's just in terms of expectations of behavior, of, you know, of decisions regarding childcare and options for women to, you know, be at, to have full lives. There are many, many challenges that remain. I think we're still seeing, you know, the, the traditional meeting where a woman says something and the man says it three minutes later and it was a great idea where it's, nobody heard the woman the first time. So you still see some of those, those patterns of behavior. So my answer, Janice, is we've come a long way. We have not solved all the problems and we Again, it's one of those areas where we still have much work to do. Um, I think it's very important, you know, on campus, uh, I try to encourage our young women to be strong, to be confident. And I, I see so much more, you know, courage and uh, confidence um, each year as we graduate young women. So I see so much progress being made. Um, but I think we, it's not time to let down our guard and to really continue to think about areas of what careers women are, are, are choosing, what their access is and what their opportunities are as they go and try to make all parts of their lives work together. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. So speaking of glass ceilings, Hunter has become more selective in the students it admits. Why is it important that applicants have a higher level of educational achievement than was previously required? One of the great things of the CUNY system, being part of a system, is that there's really a, a strong place for everyone within the system. And it was important for us at Hunter to really focus on our the fact that we had so many strong competitive programs and we want our students to be able to, you know, to take advantage of the education that we offer. But we also have the opportunity where students can transfer to Hunter as they get um, their grades up and, and get more experience from the community colleges. So we managed to maintain and increase our excellence as well as you know, keeping our, our gates open as a place of opportunity. And we're really very, very proud of that. One of the ways that we've also built on becoming more selective is to help really create pipelines of underrepresented minority students, first-generation students, immigrant students to the next level of achievement. So I'm extraordinarily proud that we have had in the last few years two our first two Marshall Scholars, our first Rhodes Scholar, five Schwartzman Scholars, which is the sort of the Chinese Rhodes Scholarship to, to education in Beijing, and and access and acceptance by our students in the top medical schools, law schools, Harvard, Yale, all of the Ivies. So our impact in diversifying, you know, faculty and other institutions by creating students um, from underrepresented minority groups that are going on to PhD programs, there's a real benefit to our finding the best and then supporting them on this pipeline to achievement. And as they move on, as I said, from often being first in their family to go to college, to making that mark um, by being accepted into the top graduate programs in the country. 
So you've told us a lot about the achievements that you have made and that Hunter has achieved. What are the biggest challenges that Hunter and other institutions of higher learning face today? Well, there's a lot of opportunity and there are many, many, many challenges. I think one, um, you know, the pandemic has had a obviously, you know, enormous challenge in, you know, being remote and now planning to come back. But that's highlighted the, you know, the question of technology. And that has been something that is, you know, impacting higher ed in every institution. Um, I think what we've learned is that there's still a hunger for people to be in classes and to have conversations and to have social activity. I think we have also learned that there are better, better and increasingly more important ways to integrate technology into learning. And this pandemic has pushed us to do so. Um, the role of higher ed is something that is, you know, always being questioned a lot because of the cost of degrees. And that's why the role of a public college, a strong, high quality public college, which is offers such a strong education at an affordable price is so important. And I think that the connection between a college degree and the next step in young people's lives, the workforce, is a very big challenge. And we spend a lot of time at Hunter thinking through how do we offer a high quality liberal arts undergraduate education, but help think our students about what is their next step. So one of the challenges we've embraced is to think that question through. We've started to offer more certificate programs as part of an undergraduate education to help students think about that career step. And I'll give you a few examples. We celebrate our role as a school teaching the arts, but we also know that not every student's gonna be able to become a performer or an artist. So we offer a certificate in arts management so students can have skills and some background in legal principles, accounting, management, et cetera, so that they can think about a job and as an arts administrator. We have certificates in public policy and human rights that help people think about jobs in government and nonprofit in which they build on their liberal arts degrees and have skills that help in those areas. We've added a business certificate again, so students who are maybe a history major but want to think about working in a corporate setting have the right vocabulary and exposure to apply for those jobs. You know, um, Jennifer, this has been so interesting and so meaningful. I'd like to ask you just one more question, and that is what personal characteristics have made you the leader you are? Someone able to approach challenges, to assess a situation or an organization, to envision the changes that need to be made, realize its potential, and turn what you envision into a reality, which you have done so superbly. That's a it's a wonderful question. As I said, you know, it's 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 such a joy to be able to have this leadership position, and a lot for me has been that I so much identify with the Hunter student. Um, I came from a background where I was the first in my my family to go to college. Um, my mother was widowed when I was very young, and I really had to keep an eye, you know, on the prize, be very directed um, and very, really just tenacious in getting towards my 
uh, you know, my goals. Um, and I was very blessed to be accepted to Hunter High School and where, you know, I was then, you know, put on a track to go to college. But that tenacity and that commitment and that real eye on the prize that started as a young person really has really carried me to this, you know, vision of not accepting people tease me that I don't, you don't, I don't, I'm someone who doesn't accept no. And I think that's one, a really important leadership quality. If you have, but you need a strategic vision and you need the, just the tenacity and the commitment and almost the relentlessness to turn that vision, uh, you know, into a reality. Um, I also think that I'm very blessed by having grown up in a situation where, you know, I, I needed to really work for what I was going to succeed to develop an empathy and a connection to our student body. And I, you know, uh, people tease me, you know, I, I love, I always love children and now I feel like, you know, I have 23,000. I love our students and it's a very, real connection for me and it makes me want to continue to work harder to give them more opportunities um, to you know to, to look at what the finest schools in the country that have great endowments give their students and find a way for Hunter to do that and we've we've succeeded in doing that so the sort of the connection of of having a real you know commitment and tenaciousness and the empathy to understand why we're making this commitment for this public college and to try to, you know, really do everything I can to realize them. Thank you, Jennifer, so much for everything you've done for the next generation of students, for women, for the Jewish community. Um, you have really been, as I said before, a role model, and we're deeply grateful for what you do and for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity and thank you for all, again, for Hadassah, for your support and for the partnerships that we've had. So thank you so much for having me today.